Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. For more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, we welcome to the show the writer of DC's Men of War and Doc Savage, Marvel's Wolverine, and the co-creator of Viking, The Cross Bronx, and New York City Mech. He was also the co-writer and editor of the Eisner Award-nominated anthology series 24-7, Mr. Ivan Brandon. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, now, I guess I would love to talk about uh, how you got your start writing comic books. Every writer has such a different story. Um, I believe James Hudnell started as like a marketing intern in their office. Uh, I think uh, Vince Hernandez started in a similar way, just working in the office over at uh, Top Cow. James Asmus was a playwright, apparently, and invited a bunch of Marvel editors to a play he wrote, and they liked it. Um, so how did you get your start? Yeah, my start was was a little strange. Uh, I mean, everybody certainly is. And the, we used to have a joke that, uh, you know, breaking into comics is like breaking out of prison and that <laughs> it, no one no one's really able to take the same route twice. But um, the uh, in my case, I'd been um, I'd been writing uh, more on the prose end for for some time. Uh, uh, and I had, you know, a, a number of friends that uh, I had an interest in, in comics since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my sort of late teens, early, you know, uh, late high school, early college type years, I, you know, uh, it's really sort of hard to both financially and, and in, in terms of competing interests uh, versus, say, women, um, you know, a little harder for me to focus at that point, uh, on, on comics. So I'd, I'd lapsed somewhat. Um, but I, um, I had some friends, uh, uh, working in the business. I'd, I'd done, I'd done a little bit, um, unprofessionally, uh, in terms of like scripting. And, and, you know, I'd studied some, uh, when I was a kid, uh, one of my teachers, when I was, uh, when I was much younger, uh, was David Mazzucchelli, mm. who, who, uh, uh, you know, was a, a pretty phenomenal resource Absolutely. in terms of just, you know, just trying to sort of understand how to, how to, how to express, uh, the, just, just storytelling as a whole. Um, but yeah, I, I'd had some friends that, that were in the business and, and people who were familiar with my, my pros and, and, you know, uh, I, I'd gotten a lot of encouragement to sort of try my hand and people would send me samples of things so that I, I, you know, I was reading quite a bit in terms of um, scripts, like behind the scenes stuff that people wouldn't typically see so that I could get a, a sense of, you know, just sort of how there's no real true format for, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of similarities in comics screenwriting or uh, script writing, mm-hmm. but there's no, it's not, it's not like script screenwriting in that it's a, you know, it's pretty much locked down to a, to a format. People, take liberties and not really, it just, it, you know, it, it's, it's important that people get across the, the information to the, to the art and, 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 and the rest of the creative team. Um, and, and beyond that, that the way you go about doing that, uh, is, isn't really that fixed. So, you know, I read a lot of different things and a lot of different, um, approaches and it, it you know, it, I found it very, I, you know, like I said, I'd already, I had always been into comic books, but I had found just the method of, of storytelling once I played with it somewhat to be, 
really, really compelling and really, really sort of uh, agile and, and, and freeing. Um, and, you know, I basically at that time was working for a dot com and I was making OK money uh, like a few people were until the dot com uh, boom of that time sort of disintegrated. Right. Um, but at that time, I just sort of had the freedom to to sit and 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 type away without the pressures of trying to get hired for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, you know, my, my first script I knocked I knocked out over a weekend, and then the and then uh, I, um, you know, I just kept playing with the format and playing with different ways to uh, to to tell stories, and then you know, beyond that, to go through things that I'd you know I'd started reading again at that point. And go through things that I thought were sort of handled or not handled poorly, but just things that you know, different pitfalls that I thought I was finding in other people's work. Things that that I that I thought were um, more contained than they could be, or, or less uh, that were taking advantage less of the medium than right. than than they could. So for me, I mean, it, it became a lot about. Um, about you know what what is comics i think at that time has was really leaning towards trying to emulate film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for me the opposite seemed logical because comics can don't have any of the constraints that film have in terms of budget in terms of any of that stuff right so right. for comics i mean you could just you know if you're writing something of a more fantasy uh or or you know supernatural or, or what have you uh kind of kind of bent I mean, it's really no trouble to get a giant robot in there if you need to. Right. Um, it, you know, it takes 10 seconds on the writing end to do that. And so it's, you know, it was interesting to me that, that, that comics had been really leaning towards emulating reality. And to me, the strength of comics had always been that it was better than reality, that it was, that it was heightened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, you didn't have those same rules. And even, even on an art level, you know, you're not, if you need someone to bend a certain way, you can just draw them that way, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't, you know, physics is, uh, is inconvenient, I think, uh, in fiction and, you know, it doesn't really, it, there's a certain logic and a certain kind of physics that exists in, the, in comics, but it's, it's very, very malleable and it really is only dependent. Uh, it's a dependent less on science and more on your creativity. Right. So, um, anyway, I, I digress, but, Basically, you know, I, I'd started working on some scripts and, you know, I was lucky enough that I had some people nearby me that in a position, you know, that, that read them and enjoyed them and were in a position to, to, um, to suggest me for things when, when things became available. And I, you know, it's one of those stories that I, I don't love to tell only because it, it gives a weird perspective in terms of like, you know, some people have this really terrible I toiled 15 years to get to whatever point, but I actually <laughs> right. I weirdly got hired in my first year of, of officially writing scripts because I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I'd written a script that, that someone liked um, who was hiring somebody and, you know, their budget wasn't amazing and they didn't have a ton of resources. So I just got hired right, right away on that. And, you know, that allowed me to, to really, you know, with smaller companies, you're able to really learn um, essential publishing things that I think sometimes people want, at bigger publishers don't get to learn mm-hmm. to really sort of understand the nitty gritty of like the, you know, the, the, 
the the production end and how difficult things are. Right. Um, but anyhow, yeah. So I got hired on some on some things. Um, weirdly enough, one of the first things I ended up getting asked to write was uh, was the Cross Bronx by my friend Mike Oming, who had a, a sort of a loose outline of of what he wanted to do, and then I went and took that and and made a script and you know added characters and obviously changed somewhat and and and, and collaborated with him in terms of what what that would be. Um, but you know, one of the very first things I wrote, right, like, quote unquote, prevented, I mean, he, he didn't hand me money for it, but, um, we was our sort of co-creating, um, you know, what, what from, from his original idea, what ended up being the cross Bronx and that weirdly enough, that script is what got me my first job, even though the actual cross Bronx wouldn't come out to like, I think four or five years later. All right. Um, and then also weirdly enough, then the, the print version of that is what got me my first Marvel and DC work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just sort of funny that the cross Bronx, everything sort of comes back to the cross Bronx because I, I wrote that I was, I was very excited about the idea of doing it. And I, I think I wrote those first two issues. I don't know if it was over a weekend. I was in LA at the time. I, I specifically remember. And I think, you know, it was a process of like, you know, a week where I just sat and just fleshed out um, and, and, and developed the, the official version of what the cross Bronx would become. And, uh, and yeah, and the, the, the scripts got me hired and then later the books got me hired. Um, but, but yeah, that was basically, that was basically my first foot in the door was, uh, was my dear old pal, Mike Oming, uh, giving me a shot on that book. That's cool. I mean, you know, everyone talks about, uh, toiling for years or this or that but i mean again there's i'm sure there's a lot of preparation in terms of uh learning to write i mean being a good writer first and foremost even if you have an opportunity and get fortunate if you're not prepared as a writer i still think it would be very difficult to to take that to the next level so i mean um the old axiom of of picasso someone walking up to picasso and saying hey can you draw me a sketch and picasso sketching something and then saying that'll be uh i think it was a million dollars something ridiculous it's right. like, well, that you just sketched that in ten seconds. Yeah, but it took you know thirty right, years, twenty to, years, exactly, right, right, to to be able to do that. So, uh, in speaking of, of different form, uh, types of writing, different genres, different, uh, you, I guess you've done prose work. I know you've done uh, some video game work. What is it about? Uh, and I ask this of a lot of comic book writers, and the answer is, is sometimes different. And so I'm curious from you, what is the difference? What is the distinct challenge of writing a comic book you've you've mentioned the things that are sort of easier in terms of obviously no budgetary constraints and things like that but what are the challenges that again coming from prose coming from other formats um what is the challenge of writing well i mean i think the challenge i mean i think they're they're probably some like working on film for example versus working in comics i think the the challenges are probably similar but applied differently if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense and really it just comes down to trying to trying to express correctly what you see in your head or, or so that that can then sort of be built into something better and, 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 and more concrete. And so trying to, you know, the, the classic form of a cartoonist is, is, you know, is a guy in his basement um, by himself tolling at all hours and, and a writer and artist collaborating are sort of trying to figure out how to, how to meet up and become that, I think on some level. And so, figuring out 
you know, if you're drawing something for yourself, you can sort of see what you're trying to do in your head as you write it. Mm-hmm. But if you are not, then you can't, you know? So for me, it's, it's really trying to figure out how to, what are the correct words? Not, not for the, an artist to do what I want him to do, but for an artist to do the, the work, the best work, you know? Sure. Um, and that's, uh, that can be super tricky. That sometimes, you know, sometimes you really think you've, you've gotten it down and, and the, the final work will surprise you not, not through any fault of the artist, just because the, the process doesn't quite click the, the way that you thought. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes things don't look at all the way you expected. Sometimes things are better than, you know, it's that some, sometimes it's, a, it's, it's sort of a crapshoot. You really don't know what's going to happen. Um, right. I mean, it, it always is to some degree, but you're trying to sort of, you get a better sense, I guess, of the odds at some point and of, of, how to, you know, how to, how to, uh, at least on a feel level, try to really express, you know, to, to me, uh, artists research things and artists absorb a lot of things that they that come into the, into the comic book. And, and the, the final ultimate form of that comic is that, is that artist expression, regardless of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I'm a factor in that, but um, the ultimate power is, is in the artist's hands. So for, for me, it's, it's, I'm trying to inspire them more than anything else, you know, mm-hmm. um, rather than direct them. Um, and, you know, figuring out how to, you know, it's like, a, it's like a relationship with a, with another, you know, a, a romantic relationship, figuring out how to circumnavigate it. So you have a good time and not a bad time. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily intuitive. It's a, you know, and it's, a, it's, it's a, it can be a long and, and involved process, but right. it's definitely a really cool when you, I think when it's done right, um, and I'm not saying that's when I do it, but uh, you know, comics I think have gone from a weird world where when I was coming out, uh, coming up rather uh, uh, in the eighties, uh, just as a reader, um, the way comics were, were created was very, very different from the way it is now. Mm-hmm. You basically had these, these very loose plot ideas being, exp- being, uh, uh, expressed by the writer to the artist, and then the artist would basically do everything else and just present all the all the actions and all the you know the 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 visual dynamics of everything were 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 on the the art end, and then the writer would then write dialogue. Right, so the old now, Marvel plot style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now we have now we've gone to another extreme where sort of the writer is just blatantly telling the artist what to draw shot for shot, and I think we've missed a step there we're sort of overshot. And I think for me trying to figure out, I mean, that's been my, my, my most recent goal in the last, uh, you know, three or four years is trying to figure out like, what's that perfect balance point where it's a true collaboration where you're both bringing, um, you know, a significant part of it to the table rather than one person sort of being the, the captain, you know? Right. Um, so that's, that's tricky. It's just, they, just the, the, the human, the human interaction parts can be, you know, I, I'm, I, I get along well with the people I work with, but it's, it's just not, it's, it's not a science, you know, you, you just have to sort of massage it and work at it. And hopefully when you're done, you have something that it's not going to look like your initial uh, uh, pipe dream of it, but it's going to be something that you're proud of. Right. No, and I think that you, in regards to something that's creator owned, like Viking or the Cross Bronx, uh, where you work with another, you have a collaborator, an artist you yeah. collaborate with. 
uh, is different than working on something for DC or Marvel like Wolverine. Um, and I've heard actually artists uh, talking about the Marvel plot style saying that they don't, they hate it. They would rather be told what to do, maybe because it's not creator owned, they don't have as much emotionally invested in it. But they, I've heard that some artists want to be told exactly what you want them to draw. So they don't even have to imagine, they don't have to use that brain power. They don't have to think about uh, sketching at all. If you give them a picture of what you want, the building, that's perfect because they'll just draw that building. Right. Um, I, I, I suspect that, that with that specifically, not to interrupt, but I suspect, sure. I suspect that that those reactions are going to are going to line up pretty well with the age of the person. So I think people <laughs> who came up in a different era. Right, right. Those guys miss that. And, and basically, you know, it sort of all comes down to control. And one person in the old days, the, the artist had more control. And in, in these days, the writer has more. So right. I think if you came up not having that control mm -hmm. and then suddenly it's like thrown upon you. You know what I'm saying? If you were used yeah. to just working full script, then suddenly you can't just from one day to the next work plot style. But likewise, a lot of those guys who came up through the 80s uh, um, working plot style suddenly would not be that anxious to, to have a, a full script and have people lay their beats out for them and, and you know give them camera directions and things that they that they've spent a lifetime honing. You know, right, right. So I think I to, for me that usually breaks down. There's guys who have only worked plot style and that's what they know. And that's, they hate not working that way. And then there's right. people who, who, um, who came up later, who only know the Marvel style. I'm sorry, the, uh, the full script style and are, are sort of turned off by the idea of, of they just don't have that skill set. You know? Right. Absolutely. Um, now you mentioned earlier that you were a fan of comics since you were a kid as you know, were a lot of us. Um, what were some of the comics that, that you grew up reading or that were most influential to you in terms of your writing? I, my, my, uh, it's, it's really hard for me as a writer because I, 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 this may sound pretentious, but I don't, I don't, the things that sort of inspire me in terms of my scripts end up being really weird stuff. I mean, it could be music. It could be, you know, something I ate. It, it's, it's really well, that's it's a first. Really rare. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. My, my writing tends to be kind of emotionally driven, if that makes any sense. No, it does. And it, it, so it's, it's, it's very rare that I'll see, you know, something within, uh, read a comic and have something that, that, that inspires me sort of in a one-to-one -one, uh, literal way. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the things, obviously, just like anyone I, I grew up with, you know, a lot of Frank Miller. I was a, a, a huge X-Men nerd throughout the eighties. Um, you know, I, I read, uh, I read Grendel. I mean, I read a, a, any number of, of different weird things grew, you know, it's, it's just a weird mix, you know, mixing, uh, bowl of, of, of just creative input. But, um, I just have to interrupt really quickly and say that sure. you're the first writer I've heard mentioned grew and I love grew. <laughs> Absolutely love Gru. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I, I definitely read a ton of Gru. Yeah. Um, I uh, so yeah, it, it's just it's really hard for me to to uh, I'm not a guy, I'm not the kind of person that dissects someone else's work and then tries to figure out how to use those tools. I tend to that that work make maybe emotionally makes me feel a certain way. I might didn't take that into doing something else, but it's I I don't have. I tried to explain to someone the other day that I, it's like I almost don't have enough control over my process. Um, my writing brain doesn't work so literally. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is um, almost subconscious, you know? 
mm-hmm. um, to where, you know, I create a character and then I may spend an hour where the character just tells me what to do. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just don't know, you know, I just, I, it's, so for me, it's, it's, it's very hard to, to, uh, you know, to, to apply like very direct influences because I, some of the stuff I'm not even conscious of, I don't know, you know, I woke up hungry and that somehow, I, who knows, you know, like I just think the things that, that inspire you creatively can be so varied, you know, and I'm not that calculated. Um, I mean, I am, but I'm not like, I, I'm, I'm very calculated in terms of the way that I try to execute idea in my head in a, in a logical, literal way. Right. But what actually happens when the final thing goes out is, is a different thing, you know? And, uh, and then at that point, different, different, uh, Different things can take control, and, and different different results uh, come than 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 you know than your your expectations or than your plans would have dictated. Right. The next the next Eisner Award winning series by Ivan Brandon, Hunger, about a police detective who eats food and solves <laughs> crimes. Well, I think isn't that sort of chew? I guess it's sort of it's yeah. sort of that. Um. But um. Well, but no, I, I just, it's weird. I just, the kind of things that uh, I think both as a reader and as a creative person, I, I try to like surprise is very important to me and just, you know, mm-hmm. hearing a kind of music that I just, I'm not expecting that sort of thing. So I, I think it's, you know, it's the same way with food. If someone just puts a couple of weird things together that you hadn't expected, you know, some sweet and savory thing that aren't supposed to go together, like that kind of stuff I find very, you know, it's maybe a passive inspiration, but it's still it's still there. No, I mean, that's fantastic. And that's the great thing about writing is that so many different writers, everyone has a different uh, way, a different, uh, you know, different inspirations, different things that that inspire them, that influence their writing, whether it's other writing, whether it's movies, whether it's music. I've never heard food. That's a new one, but that's kind of cool. <laughs> it could be anything. No, and I, and I get that. And I think that's that's. Uh, a great way to sort of open your mind because you never know where the next great idea is going to come from. Um, now I wanted to ask you actually having written for a number of DC titles and being a, a lifelong New Yorker, uh, what's your opinion of DC moving from New York to Burbank? Well, I, you know, uh, I, I, I certainly understand the move and it was something that's, you know, it's been predicted any number of times and, and, you know, there was, there was a chance it was going to happen even earlier. Right. Um, I, you know, from an, from a New Yorker perspective, not even as an employee of the company, mm-hmm. um, from a New Yorker perspective, it's, it's a little sad. It's, it's, you know, there is a, a history of a, a certain kind of business and a certain kind of, you know, uh, publishing specifically existing and being, being grounded here in New York. Um, and so, you know, and, and DC is the oldest existing, uh, publishing company. So certainly for me, it's sad that they should move from, you know, from, from where they started. Um, you know, so that's, that's less about the politics of comics and more just about the, you know, just the way the future happens in the world. And and that it's sad to me that, you know, that a lot of the things that were, were, you know, that seemed, uh, uh, impossibly, um, tied to New York forever, you know, I just mm-hmm. are not anymore. Some of them. So, right. um, and, you know, and that happens when, you know, companies go into and they diversify their businesses and they're dealing more with film or what have you. And, and, 
you know, it, it certainly makes a lot of logical sense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see now um, a lot of the, a lot of the staff is obviously going to, going to change mm-hmm. in that process and, 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 and has started changing already. And, and so that, you know, that's, I'm sad for my friends who, who, you know, who are going to have to, you know, maybe some of them change businesses and, and some of them, you know, change where they live and some of them not go. Um, but also, you know, I, I think this company, this company, this business thrives on a certain amount of flux. So, uh, you know, I'd like to think that when they get there, that that'll kick off some, some sort of really, really great, big, uh, uh, you know, uh, creative, uh, uh, era of their history. Um, you know, at this point I'm just, it's a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an observer just, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. Right. I, um, I, you know, I hope it goes well for everyone. And I hope that, you know, if there's whatever, whatever changes have to happen, I hopefully, hopefully that they, you know, that they end up resulting in, in better things for, 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 not just for the company as a whole, but for, for, you know, the people who work there and for the people who, uh, you know, on a creative end and on the editorial end. Right. Um, and talking about companies, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about offset comics, um, in terms of, uh, it's one thing to write comics for other companies, you know, work for hire. It's another to actually do creator owned work where you are responsible for a lot more of that process um, but creating your own comic book publishing company uh, is a whole different ballgame. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what inspired it, what goes into it, what's going on with Offset, all that kind of stuff. So maybe you can just start off with a little bit with what inspired you to, to start Offset Comics. Well, I mean, I think for my part, I, I you know, I've been doing books and, and, I, and I'm still doing books uh, with Image since like 2003. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I'm a huge uh lover of that sort of level of freedom and of, of that, um, the, I, I had come up in a, in a very weird, well, I mean, partially through my own fault of the kind of stuff that I was doing back then. I was very, very hands-on and sort of very meticulous about every step I've literally done barring drawing the books. I've done every other part of I've I, did coloring in the earlier stuff that, that we put out. I, I lettered all of our, our earliest stuff. Um, I, on a design level, like literally we place our own UPC symbols when we hand them in. Um, <laughs> so we, we're really, we're really sort of devoted to what our, the idea of what our, our vision is and, 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 and trying to do the best that we can. And then sometimes we're, we're more or less successful depending, but, um, so I, I'm, I'm, I have a, a probably a, 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 a broader range of, of, uh, of understanding in terms of, you know, what it takes to get a book to print than, mm-hmm. than a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's a, that's a plus. And then I'm not afraid to do, you know, to do, uh, you know, I, I used to, I, I used to, I managed restaurants for a little while. And at some point, you know, it's like, they've, the dishwasher got sick. You had to wash dishes. And so right. the analogy is like, a, I'm not afraid to wash some dishes if I need to. And I know how to do it. Right. Um, so, you know, that sort of helps. And I think, you know, once, 
the, you know, the market, not just for comics, but it just fiction for entertainment in general has, has shifted so drastically in the last few years and has, has, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that's been going on is sort of amorphous and a lot of, you know, people that I, that I work with or talk to, um, on the comic side and on Hollywood, et cetera, aside, they don't really still know what, what entertainment's going to be in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody's sort of following along the way that they think things are, are supposed to be or, or what their best version of it is. But I think people know that, you know, like I have friends in Hollywood that are figuring out, you know, do I develop a two minute show? Do I develop a five minute show, et cetera. Right. They just don't know what, you know, with the web and with all that stuff, they don't know exactly what, um, what form things are going to take. So I, for me, the main inspiration was, you know, trying to be part of defining that somewhat, I guess, and, 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 and really taking advantage of the fact that as this, as the landscape shifts in terms of, you know, everything's sort of been etched in stone in terms of who produces content and who buys it from whom. Um, and that a lot of that stuff has really, really changed. And a lot of that stuff, you know, once you have just random guy in Uruguay made a video that, you know, that, uh, that 10 million people watch the idea of how video is, uh, is reaches people changes, you know? Right. Um, and so uh, offset for me is, you know, I, I feel like there's, there are different ways to do a lot of things. Um, not necessarily better ways, but just, I feel like there's a lot more, um, both in a content way and, 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 and in a format way, there's, there's a lot of ground that, that ha- isn't being explored that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of it is just me sort of trying to put myself in the headset of uh, if I were a much smarter and more talented person, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, what, what kind of, and, and, and if, if comics was just starting now in this era, mm-hmm. if it didn't exist, you know, what would, what would it be? And what, you know, what, what, what would we try to create? And so that's really offset is, you know, I've been calling it a lab and, and it, it, it basically, for me, it is, it's just trying to, trying to test different ways and different kinds of stories to tell and, and just trying to take advantage of some of the freedom um, that, you know, that exists in this, in this quote unquote modern world. And also to take advantage of, you know, you work at Marvel and DC for, for however long and that image and, and there's a certain kind of, uh, of agility that comes with that, um, from a production level that a lot of mediums don't have, you know, mm-hmm. TV and film and video games cannot really produce content as regularly and as quickly as comics does. And I feel like that's a larger value. I think that people give it credit for, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so a lot of that is me playing with, you know, I can, if I create content at the speed that usually it's created um, now, even you can react to things very, very quickly and you can sort of turn on a dime and, and, and evolve with, you know, with the landscape and with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's about taking that, that speed that, uh, that comics has in, in terms of its ability to produce content and applying that speed in more interesting ways than just, you know, trying to get more books out, if that makes any sense. Right. No, it does. Um, I remember seeing a documentary. I don't remember what it was called. 
Um, it was like three days in South Park or something like that. And basically, it was a documentary where they followed uh, uh, Matt and Trey, you know, the oh, yeah, yeah, South Park guys. Great, yeah, that's a great – I love that documentary. And I think that's the brilliant thing about South Park. I mean, their animation's crude, but it allows them to be able to produce an episode. I mean, writing and animating and recording and, and post and everything in a little – like a week – and yeah. so because of that, they're able to do things in such a timely fashion that when news happens, when anything happens in the world, they can immediately jump on it. And a week later, there's an episode dealing with that. I mean, there's no other sort of fiction, creative, narrative medium that, that can do that other than what you're saying is, is art, you know, is comics, is comic strips, comic books, things like that. Um, so I think that that's fantastic. I mean, I know the printing process can take a while, but with digital outlets and stuff now, I mean, it can be put up. Once you've completed yeah, but you'd be, it right away. You'd be surprised, man. We put out stuff sometimes, and people don't know this stuff, but sometimes mm -hmm. in a pinch. I've seen books turned around in a couple of weeks, which means, you know, like, the the your files are being, you know, your story is is, is finished, uh, is, you know, a, a few weeks before, before the, the book is in somebody's hand. So That's I think it's not, um, again, people don't make a big deal of that stuff, and, and it's not, it's not, it's not what, it's not the focus of the content, but it exists. And sure, it's absolutely. usually in that case, it's done to, you know, to fix a hole in the publishing schedule or some other book that's fallen off or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, like you said, in terms of South Park, there's other things that you can do with that, with, with the ability to turn a book around in a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. um, which I'm not saying all the offset books are going to turn around in a couple of weeks. I'm just saying that having that skill set, um, just as a, as an organism, I think that that's, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, and it's something that I want to explore is just, you know, what, what else can you do with, with this, you know, with this strength and with this agility. Right. Now what's going on with offset? What's the goal of offset? What projects do you have in the works that you can talk about? I'm sure, you know, yeah, I, I'm going to be somewhat vague. I'll tell you, yeah. we have, um, we have a couple, the ones that I think have, have been announced publicly is, mm -hmm. uh, are, um, Weirdly, they all start with the letter D, which is not intentional, um, <laughs> but uh, not all. But there's one called Destroyer, which is uh, myself and Eric Canetti. Um, and it's um, it's just a very, uh, very, very large scope uh, science fiction story. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the closest, the sort of spiritual god, godfather or godmother of that would probably be Akira. Um, oh, wow. And it's, uh, it's something we've been working on that, that one's coming very slowly. Eric and I both have a lot on our plate and Eric, uh, especially is always juggling quite a, quite a bunch of things. And he doesn't, comics is not his full-time, uh, uh, place to work. So mm -hmm. he, um, so that one's taking its time. We're also doing uh, a book called, uh, a story called, um, Doom Cannon, which Doom Cannon is, is. Uh, Doom Cannon is um, uh, Doom Cannon is about a, a, a team that sort of runs a battle robot, um, but uh, it's it, when your team isn't necessarily the um, this this is not a team that is necessarily the uh, the the you know if you look at Voltron everybody in Voltron is the is the quarterback is the captain of the football team. Right. Um, and the doom cannon is not necessarily that same. So it's, 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 a uh, it's, 
it's a it's a big weird action uh, uh, story, but it's also uh, uh, a bit of a tragedy in many ways. So it's it's a it's a very very strange project. That one is um, is Daniel Crawl uh, and uh, with uh, Heather Danforth, who he, he draws with. Um, that's his concept and, and his writing. Um, another thing that we're doing is uh, called. Uh, uh, Death Face, which Death Face is uh, is basically sort of uh, myself and Chuck BB and uh, Ryan Brown and Logan Fairber uh, doing sort of a love letter to all of our favorite '80s action heroes. Oh, cool! Um, and it's a it's a it's a really um, it's a it's a really sort of all in take on on you know on uh, the, sort of the love child of, uh, of Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Sylvester Stallone circa 1986. Um, and, uh, you know, the basic premise is that death face is a, is an action hero of that era who, uh, one of his capers, he's trapped on a desert Island and, uh, it's now 2000, 2014 and he's finally escaped. And so, uh, 1987, uh, death face, is uh is about to enter 2014 um so that's that one um what else what else do we have uh, that we've uh let's face doom cannon uh uh double cross which is also uh daniel crawl and it's a a very strange mod uh sci-fi spy story um and you know we have a couple of different things we're working on very slowly Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, some of them more quickly than others. Some of them, um, you know, I have another thing that's basically a, a, a very strange, uh, mob story that, um, uh, we've been very, very slowly trying to put an art crew together with, because I have a, a really, I'm to a fault. I'm not a person who's going to just sort of hire the person that is just the best person that happens to be available. I'll just sort of wait out the perfect, uh, perception in my head of what, of what the, the, the team is going to be. So that one, I've, I've had such a weird, deliberate, um, idea of, of what that is that, that, you know, we've been going, going through the process of finding, uh, the right art collaborator on that for a few months now. So it's, this is basically going to be the main year right now. We're on a, on a business level and on a, a, um, a production level we're pretty pretty heavy into it right now mm-hmm. um and uh i think probably hopefully by the summertime i think it'll become much clearer um what you know the practical applications of these things are and when when you're going to start actually being able to read and 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 uh and see these things in action cool um what i one thing i wanted to ask being a creator as well as being now you know a publisher technically um what is your take on digital comics um you know for me i I still think that the actual printed comics are you know obviously that's the you know they're comic book collectors you don't collect digital files and things like that and i have friends who own comic book stores so i'm sort of on the fence about it but you know obviously it's technology it's coming i mean uh, amazon just bought comiXology so it's sure. not going anywhere. Um, what's your take on that as both a fan slash creator and on the other hand, you know, a publisher on a business sense? 
Well, I mean, I think it sort of goes back to what we were talking about with DC moving, et cetera. I mean, the world changes and mm -hmm. I think it's not, I think with these conversations, there's a weird, um, you know, and it's obviously it's familiar to comic people, but it, it ends up being people take a, a hard line stance one way or the other about what, right. what things have to be. And, you know, the reality is comics has always, have always been many different things. There've been many different kinds of things and, and they, you know, and just storytelling and, 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 um, the kinds of things, like I said, I mean, there, there are TV shows that are 22 and 44 minutes on your television now, but there are things being developed that are two minutes and five minutes and that are animated sure. differently. And, you know, so uh, the idea is I don't think these things are polar opposed. I don't think you really have to choose a side. I think, you know, uh, there are people who buy, uh, vinyl records still to this day for mm -hmm. brand new content. And there are people who, you know, have never seen a record and are only on MP MP3s. So I think, you know, I, I think that as long as the print market creates, um, interesting content and creates, um, unique and tangible thing, things, I think that, you know, for me, I, I mean, I don't know if you ever saw our, our Viking books, but we went out of a way to put really some from pretty varied formats out. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of that is, is to me, I, you know, some of the logical evolution, I think, of, of print is going to be sort of what vinyl did, which is if it's the object itself becomes less disposable. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that that's that that certainly still has merit. I, I think it's not, you know, I read both. I read a lot of stuff on print. I read a lot of stuff digital now. Mm -hmm. There are certain books that are just sort of fun disposable content and i don't mean that as an insult but just you know it used to be you you watched serials in front of the before a movie there were no dvds there were no anything some ex some experiences you know your first kiss you don't get to keep it uh, uh, keep it and put it on your bookshelf some some things that you go through in life are you know are just fleeting and hopefully fun and, and cool experiences right and so you know for me i sometimes i read a comic and i don't need to read that comic ever again it doesn't mean i didn't still enjoy it Right, right. Um, but I don't need to, you know, to, to have a shrine in my house to every experience I've ever had and, and, and hold a, a physical artifact for it, you know. Right. So I think at that point, you know, some of those things that I just like them and I, uh, and I don't need to reference them again, I can, I can read those digitally. And some things, you know, I have these beautiful giant hardcover art books that I pour through, you know, frequently. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those things, you know, call to that. So... Uh, I think the world evolves. I think there's room for more than one thing. I think, you know, a few years before this digital uh, market sort of blew up, the, the argument was like, you know, singles or trades right. um, and comics. And I yeah. always thought that conversation would get a little absurd too, because it just, be, it, it really boils down to people who like a thing needing everyone else to like it that same way. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And the reality is at that point, if you wanted to buy an issue or if you wanted to buy a trade, you were fine either way and you didn't need to convince anyone else to do it your way, you know, mm -hmm. you do the thing that you like and you enjoy it and you support those things. And hopefully those things all, all survive and continue to be good. Right. Um, and that's sort of all you can do. But I, you know, from a, from a creative perspective and from a fan perspective, I find it exciting because I think that they're, you know, I think that just the, the landscape changes in terms of what you can do and how you can do it. And I, I find that interesting. I, I, you know, anything where, anything where, there's a possibility that you could be stuck in a rut and necessity sort of moves you out of there because, mm -hmm. um, you know, just 
the the mud that you were stuck in just no longer is there, you know. And I think that that that's the possibility now that people don't, you know. I, I'm curious to see like some 16 year old kid that doesn't have my you know years of 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 good and bad habits in comics, like what how they would choose to tell a story in, in this day and age, you know. Right. Um, that stuff to me is interesting, and that's because you know, and like I said, I you know. I react to those things very emotionally, like the things I read and hopefully also the things I write. And so for me, from an emotional level, this is super exciting because this is people who can, can express themselves, you know, pretty simply and, and pretty democratically, um, you know, without having to go through some of the, the hoops they would have to go through in the past to get, to get read. I mean, there are guys out there with millions of readers who, you know, never been published in a comic shop, never had a meeting with an editor at, at, at you know, at, at a major publisher. Um, and that's just creatively, that's, that, that to me is really, really, really cool and really interesting. You know? Right. Well, the uh, internet certainly has democratized a lot of uh, entertainment and media. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that that's, you know, people lament that, you know, a lot of that content isn't very good, but they, a lot of, Content in the print world isn't very good, you know. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's you know good stuff is good stuff, and and the more the more chances to find it, and the more varied and interesting ways to produce it. To me, I I, I, I can't see a downside to that. Right, right. Um, we're running short on time. But that's a great way to sort of wind up. But I do have rapid fire. I don't know if you've heard our rapid fire questions, but they're just a few quick uh, questions that uh, are just kind of fun so if you're ready i am better villain ivan vanko whiplash or ivan drago from rocky four oh uh i'm gonna go with ivan drago just he's, he's perfectly ridiculous yeah uh better superhero portrayal the crow played by brandon lee or superman played by brandon routh oh uh ha huh. i'm gonna give that one to the to brandon lee excellent um, better Viking, Travis Travis Fimmel as Ragnar from History Channel's Vikings, or Ernest Borgnine as Ragnar from the 1958 UA film The Vikings. I haven't seen the History Channel's Vikings, but I'm going to go with Ergus, Ernest Borgnine against almost anyone in almost any context. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I haven't seen the uh, 1958 film The Vikings, but I do like uh, Ernest Borgnine a lot. Although if you haven't seen, although. As a co-creator of Viking, I can't believe you haven't seen History Channel's Vikings because it is fantastic. It's, it's a great show. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's really, you know, it's sometimes you're absorbing a lot of the content of the kind of things that you're already making can yeah. sort of gum up the works a little I, bit. I, I, so I sometimes I avoid things consciously. I gotcha. Uh, and last, I'm sure I'll get around to it. <laughs> um, favorite hot dog, Grace Papaya or Papaya King? Oh, boy. See, the correct answer is Papaya King, but I'm going to go with Gray's because I just happened to spend a lot of time when I was a kid near uh, the uh, the recently closed down uh, oh. shop on 8th, on 8th Street. Yeah. So, you know, when you're a kid, you just think the place that you like is the original. And it turns out that that was definitely not true and that Gray's is not the original. And Papaya King is the correct answer, but that that Gray's Papaya held a lot of my uh, a lot of my childhood and uh and it's, it will always be very close to my heart, even though I believe they have since torn it down. So for the cultural revolutionary, he still has some childhood traditions. Grace Papaya, yeah. I love that. Um, and do you have any last thoughts or advice for aspiring comic writers? 
my advice is always kind of the same. And it's just, you know, I think especially in comics is a danger of people um, liking the things they like and then trying to figure out how to make exactly those things. And, you know, uh, I think if, if you're going into the business to be um, whoever, Warren Ellis, mm-hmm. there's already a guy doing that. Right. <laughs> he's he's going to be paid better than you are. And he's pretty good um, at it. Yeah. I would leave that to him. And, you know, I, I think, I think, Every, almost everything, you know, this goes back to when I said being inspired by food or anything, whatever right. you're doing, being a writer, a musician, uh, I think, I think anything is better served by you trying to do something that only you can do and trying to keep unique, uh, unique to, to your own skills and to your own voice. And, and, and the more voices we can have, um, out there, I think are, you know, that that's the better thing rather than just trying to sort of write the unwritten issue of your favorite run of the flash. Um, I, you know, I think, I think trying to be unique, trying to, you can't get fired if, if, if you're the only guy doing what you do. Right. Um, so that, that's always my advice is just try to try to figure out what you bring to the table that other people don't, you know? Yeah. Very cool. Great talking to you, Ivan. I appreciate you coming on the show. Perfect. My pleasure. Um, you can follow Ivan on Twitter at Ivan Brandon and check out his website, IvanBrandon.com. And for, for the latest info on Offset Comics, you can go to their website, OffsetComics.com. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at ScriptScribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at ScriptScribes. And on Facebook, uh, Facebook backslash ScriptScribes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>